So welcome back to another episode of Keeping Up With Khaled. I am back home or at my parents' house at the moment and as promised, I'm going to do a World Cup review. I have been struggling, however, with jet lag because it's always harder coming back to Australia or Sydney in specific because of the time difference and I did spend a bit of time in Lebanon. So yeah, a lot of traveling the last... Um, couple of weeks but man was an amazing time I can't express how uh, blessed I am how grateful I am that I had the experience and had the ability to be able to go and witness the World Cup then fly to Lebanon and then fly back to Qatar for for the finals and it was electrifying the um, the atmosphere the people the vibe just everything was absolutely amazing and you know, I wouldn't have had it any other way. So now that I'm back and I'm sort of a little bit, a little bit settled uh, in Sydney, I thought to myself, it's about time that I did my sort of review of the World Cup. So here it is. First of all, I want to just say how easily accessible everything was in Qatar. Doha is a quite a small city, so it wasn't going to be very hard for people to get around. But with the influx of people into the city, I was always worried that, you know, they haven't dealt or I guess the media was really worried about a city that's so small, not being able to deal with the capacity of fans that are going to be coming in from overseas and how they're going to deal with the people coming in and out of stadiums and the metro and, and whatever. But I have to say that they did exceptionally well when it came to coming in and out of the games, uh, the metro, uh, the bus, there were like metros every couple of minutes, so many people ushering people in and out of places and directing you to where you were going or where you wanted to go. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> if you were paying attention to anything on the media, they did have the metro guy, so it's like, metro, this way. Metro! 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 Metro this way and it just continued on and on and on and uh, it was quite the guy became quite popular and he got he went viral with it so you know a lot of positives come out of uh, this experience and especially the fact that everything was super safe uh, there were places to go to the bathroom there was places to pray there were food was absolutely everywhere so you never uh, you never found a place where you couldn't get some tea coffee. Uh, food, food stores, pop-up stores, absolutely everything you could think of, they thought of, and they made it very, very accessible for people to be able to access. And the price of things were generally pretty standard. I mean, if you were to go to a game at a stadium in most places or most countries that I've experienced, experienced they jack up the price. And realistically, the prices weren't that high considering that it was the largest uh, sporting event in the world. So that's another thing that I have to say. And when you come into the country, you needed something called the hire card. And the hire card just allowed you entry into the country. So you had to show that you were uh, attending a World Cup game, unless you were there for uh, work or other reasons. You needed to have a World Cup ticket to be able to enter the country between a period of time. So once you have this card, 
when you come into the country, all public transport is free. So that's the metro, that's the tram, that's the buses. And it just, it was, you had an app on your phone where you could just access it. And yeah, it was just totally seamless. A bit of fact-checking. And it says that Qatar hosts more than 1.4 million visitors during the FIFA World Cup. And that means 1.4 fans from across the globe attended Qatar at that time. And I think the population of Qatar itself is not even that high. Let me do some more fact-checking. Population of Qatar is 2.9 million. So you can imagine that that's a significant amount of people that are entering the country at the time. And to be completely honest, it didn't feel like it. The city is quite small, but even with all those people around, it just didn't feel like it was that busy unless you were going to a game and there were a whole lot of fans that are heading to that game as well, which is what you want actually, because you know, it just adds to the atmosphere and adds to the the whole vibe and the electric electricity of the event. So again, uh, the location of the stadiums and the fan zones was also very easily access- accessible for you as a fan. Um, I was staying in West Bay, which was not so far from the main fan zone and the metro, but anywhere that you stayed in the city, within the city, you were always close or there was, an o- there was always an easy option for you to be able to go out and if you couldn't attend the games at the stadium, you could definitely go to a fan zone and watch, uh, watch the game on the big screen. At the fan zones, there was like heaps to do. And I am going to debunk a myth. A lot of people asked me, oh, but the, the FIFA announced that there was no alcohol permissible at the World Cup. And I was like, that's completely not true. You could get alcohol from most places, especially the fan zones, but you couldn't have alcohol at the stadium. So I'm pretty sure the last three or four World Cups, it's been the same thing. But again, I'm just going to go back to uh, the media portraying a certain narrative and trying to, you know, deteriorate the popularity or the positive facts of what this World Cup actually brought. And that's why I jumped on as well. I wanted to give my opinion and my thoughts because I feel like getting the feedback from a lot of people, having come back to Sydney, speaking to a lot of my friends, and people asked me, like, you know, this is what we saw in the media. This is what we saw. And and I just have to say, like, I was there. (laughs) I saw what happened. I saw how it was. And it was completely the opposite. And it makes me a little bit sad because why would you want to tarnish something or a country's success? And, you know, there could be a lot of motives in there. Put it down in the comments if you think so. But for me, it was like I was there and I can tell you how it really was. And it was a great, positive, amazing experience. And I can't fault them on anything. Literally, I thought about it and I thought, okay, what can I say could have been improved the more I think about it, the more I just can't fault the country for doing what it has and putting on such a great event, a great world event. And for the first country in the Middle East, for such a small country, I think they did exceptionally well. So enough of that, because <laughs> I didn't want to go on too far about you know, the actual country and the World Cup 
I'm here to talk about what actually happened at the World Cup. So I want to start with, I originally only went there to watch Australia versus Denmark. So if you know me, I've lived in Denmark the last three years and I was a bit torn because Australia and Denmark ended up being in the same group stage of the same group. And everyone was asking me, what jersey are you going to wear? Uh, I don't think you can see it on camera, but I've got the, uh, the Aussie jersey behind me because, yes, I did support Australia. Um, <laughs> and I said to myself, if they don't make it out of the group, group stage and Dan Denmark does, then I'll uh, support Denmark. But it took a turn and I didn't want to talk too much about it on the last podcast, but I just said to myself, let me do something where I just talk about what I experienced and my thoughts. So the first game that I went and saw was Australia versus France. And again, I didn't intend to go so to go to so many games, but fortunately I just I was able to and it was it was such a blessing because somehow it always worked out where I managed to to get a ticket but seeing the French players live has to be one of the most amazing experiences and I originally called that France would win the World Cup so congratulations Argentina uh, if you did speak to I should have put this on uh, video so I had record of it but I was saying that France was going to win the World Cup uh, just because of the the players and the fact that they did so well last time that they were the champions. I just, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I was just convinced that France would win. So let me just say that France were playing with a subpar side because a lot of their main, their key players were out. So you have Karim Benzema, you have Pogba, you have N'Golo Kante, you have uh, Kimpembe. Uh, and there were, there were a few main players that were missing so to France's credit they did make it all the way to the final um, but again congrats that's nothing to take away from Argentina winning the World Cup with Messi um, but going back that first game watching Kylian Mbappe live was absolutely amazing as much as I wanted Australia to do well and we went up early and I was like oh my god this is crazy. Australia are beating the champions in the first game, much like Saudi beat Argentina in the first game, right? But we went up early with that goal and it was like France just switched on, you know, players like Antoine Griezmann, um, Usman Dembele did exceptionally well that game. Uh, unfortunately, not as well in the finals, but, you know, it's arguable to say that there was a, cold or flu that was going around in the French camp before that that final so I'm gonna leave that after the comments if you want to comment on that but um, going back yeah it was just watching Mbappe his movement and he didn't look like he could explode the way he did but when he did move it was like it, you couldn't even comprehend the way he moved it was almost like too explosive that you didn't expect it, even though if you were defending him, you expected him to take you on. And he just, the first player for him that was in front of him never mattered. He knew, he was confident in his ability, he was conf confident in his movement, and he already knew where he was going. And even the defender would have known where he was going, but he just 
the way he moves. And I, I really was, was speechless when I saw him just glide past players. So standout player for me, definitely Mbappe. And that was from the very first game. So to then go forward and see what he did in the final, it was just amazing. And unfortunate that, you know, the crazy uh, final that it was that, um, you know, he didn't get, he didn't get to win the World Cup, but I'm, I'm, you know, just, yeah, I've got no words. Also lucky enough to go and watch other world-class players. Like I got to see Netherlands play. I got to see Uruguay play. I got to see Portugal play with Ronaldo. Um, Senegal, I got to see England. And I'm, I'm losing track because I could just, it was so, so much to comprehend while you were there and I was trying to think back the other day of like how many games I went to and who I got to see but I was just like you know what I'm just gonna take the uh, experience for what it is and you know be be happy with them with what I did experience Ronaldo hmm okay so I'm probably gonna get blasted by a lot of people here and I know there's that huge debate between Ronaldo and Messi but I have to say uh Portugal did have a great team. Portugal had a, an amazing midfield and unfortunately they they lost their winger who was doing very well. I feel. Being able to see Portugal, I was able to see Ronaldo. And I know that there's going to be the debate of Messi and Ronaldo here, but um, I'm going to try to navigate my way around this. Um, it was an experience to see Ronaldo play. And to be fair, he did have a great team uh, around him. But like any World Cup team, it's that, you know, you don't get that long to train with each other and understand the way each other play. Uh, I know Bruno Fernandes plays with Ronaldo, but in saying that, it's still, it's still very difficult to take an individual player like Ronaldo, who's very dynamic, very explosive. Um, he's a great finisher. And put him into a World Cup side, and then be able be able to just perform. So he didn't look at his best, and it is an aging Ronaldo. But you could say the same thing about Messi. And what I have to say about Messi is that when I was at the Australia versus Argentina game, one the fans were absolutely amazing. I don't know if they had a special on tickets from Argentina to Doha, but. There were a lot of Argentinian fans and they were amazing. 95% of the, the stadium was Argentinian fans. And I remem remember specifically the stadium was shaking. When they say like the stadium shaking, you, you know, you think it's a figure of, of speech or a metaphor. But I remember sitting there and thinking the, the ground is shaking here. The whole crowd is singing. It was, it was, it was an experience and, in the small percentage of Australian fans, it was actually admirable. And all you could do was sit there and just uh, soak in the experience and the environment. And it added to the electricity of the whole game. Going back to Messi. Messi was amazing to watch. And I'll tell you why. The first 15 minutes of Messi playing against Australia and against most of the other teams, but to witness it live, Obviously, he had all eyes on him. But the first 10 to 15 minutes, it almost felt like he was the coach of the team 
and he literally just walked and strolled around the field directing everyone to do certain things. So in a way, he was sort of analysing the game in real time as a player and then flipped the switch and whenever he did get the ball, he created something. Even if it was a one-touch play, even if it was making a run and taking another player away, it's almost like he, he was playing chess in his head and he figured it out within the first 10, 15 minutes and then put it into action. And I thought that that was amazing. And to see Messi, unfortunately, score, uh, I was at that, that end of the field as well, but it was I was sitting right behind the goals. And unfortunately, or fortunately, him seeing him score was actually quite an amazing thing. Um, broke our hearts, but at the same time, I think that Australia did exceptionally well i individually didn't think that australia would make it past the group stage given that tunisia were a strong side denmark are a very strong side and then we had france so just for australia to get there i want to sound like i'm rewarding mediocrity but to be able to get out of that group and make it to the round of 16 i think is an exceptional result for the australia side and I'm, I was super proud. I was super happy. I was super proud um, just to get that far and almost silence a lot of the hate and uh, a lot of the pressure that, that the Australia team had on them. Because after losing that first game, they needed to win the next two games. And after beating Tunisia with a great header from Mitchell Duke, you know, and, and then beating Tunisia, that last game was a do or die. Uh, if we did draw, then we had to rely on results. And Tunisia did beat France, but again, France were probably resting a lot of players because they already qualified. So at that time, we didn't expect Tunisia to beat France, but at the same time, playing against a strong Dan Danish team was um, very difficult. And I can definitely say that both teams had their chances. And, you know, we, that's football at the end of the day. That's football comebacks come from behind wins uh, a lot of equalizing goals to go to penalties or to go to extra time and then go to penalties it was just it was just wild it was just wild so when Australia got kicked out by Argentina I then thought to myself who should I support right now and it had to be the Moroccans it had to be the Moroccans uh, like I said if there was a special on Argentinian fans flying to Doha, even though Morocco is a lot of a, a lot closer than than Argentina, there were so many Moroccan fans there. And if you know Moroccans, then you know that they're wild, and you know that they they bring an atmosphere, they bring in, bring an electricity, and they just bring a whole vibe with them. So I jumped on the Moroccan bandwagon, and they did exceptionally well as well to beat Portugal. Um, to be unlucky against France in terms of, I guess they got a little bit of stage fright, it looked like in the first 20 minutes, but just to achieve what they did and make a statement about Palestine and they did a great job of bringing a great energy to the World Cup. I thought they did a great job of uniting um, the Middle East with North Africa, with Africa, with the Muslims, with uh, parading and making a statement about Palestine, 
I think they get they brought a great energy to the the cup, and it was unfortunate to see them lose against France. But I mean, they are the world champions, and they are much stronger side on paper. But yeah, Moroccan fans, amazing atmosphere, amazing vibe. Seeing them on the streets, seeing them in the metro, uh, seeing them at the at the fields, uh, at the stadium. Sorry, just yeah, arguably some of the best fans in the world. This brings me to my point of my thoughts and my opinion on this World Cup being arguably the best World Cup ever. And of course, I'm going to be biased because I was there. But at the same time, just from what I experienced, and I've watched the last World Cups, obviously not from the actual countries, but just being there on the ground seeing how seamless everything was, seeing the people, seeing that there was no rowdiness at the at the games. There was, we had the, you know, there's always drama when there's English fans, right? There was no drama. And with the hooligans from England, they were quite tame. There was no smell of alcohol at the fields. It was very child-friendly. Even when a team, opposing teams, finished the game, there was no animosity. There was shakes, there was hugs. It was all positive. Disappointed in the narrative that the media was portraying as to what happened and what reality was. And often that's usually the case when it comes to these sort of things. If they're trying to promote a certain narrative, uh, they only give you limited information about certain things. And like I said before, if you wanted to have a drink, there were so many places to have a drink if you had a fan zone, you could drink there. You just couldn't drink at the stadiums. And in terms of just being respectful of the country as a whole, as long as you didn't do anything crazy, which you probably wouldn't do in your home country anyway, as long as you were reasonable with respecting the values of the country that you're in, there was no problem whatsoever. And I just feel like, there was a lot of speculation about them there being no women. There were plenty of women everywhere, at the games, on the streets. Uh, it was almost like walking around in Sydney. I didn't feel any sort of difference in like a cultural difference or I didn't feel restricted at all. I didn't feel like anybody else felt restricted at all. I just felt like everything went very smoothly, very different to what the feedback I've been given from what people have heard. And I find that upsetting because I would recommend for people to travel to Doha because there's so much to do even out of the World Cup. It's a hub. So most of the time when you're traveling towards Europe from Sydney or you're going anywhere in that matter, it's in the middle. So you can sort of pin off anywhere, any direction from there. And if you want, to, you want somewhere to go to to break up the trip, for a couple of days, I definitely recommend going to Doha. And, you know, I fell in love with the place as well, as I do. I mean, I said that about Lebanon as well. But I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like that. So I'm a softie when it comes to experiencing new cultures and having good experiences. And I'm blessed. Like I said, maybe people had negative experiences. Maybe there was a bit of negativity to take away. But from what I experienced and... What I can tell you, I can just say that it was it was a great time and I really enjoyed the experience. So 
if you have any other questions about the World Cup, because I don't know if I've covered everything and I have a lot of thoughts coming into my head and I'm just not sure which direction to go with it. But generally speaking, if you have any questions, you can ask me. I've missed you guys and uh, expect some more podcasts coming up. Hope you like my setup in my room. <laughs> it's not so messy, is it? Yeah, well, find me. You can find me at Ali Bocus Khaled on Instagram, Khaled Ali Bocus on Facebook. Remember, I'm up on YouTube now. Um, my video is also on Spotify, so you can see it at both places. And I'm on Apple Podcasts. So, again, it's been a pleasure. I hope to get a lot of feedback from what you guys thought of the World Cup. And until next time, peace.